Hello, this is UU Todd Phillips, the golden voice of the great Southwest, and you're listening to Loafer's Glory, the hobo jungle of the mind. No, my life is not this precipitous hour through which you see me passing at a run. I stand before my background like a tree. Of all my many mouths, I am but one, and that which soonest chooses to be dumb. I am the rest between two notes, which, struck together, sound discordantly, because death's note would claim a higher key. But in that dark pause, trembling, the notes meet, harmonious, and the song continues sweet. Well, here we are again. Uh, this is me, you Utah Phillips, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Golden Voice of the Great Southwest. Steve Baker, of course, running the, the control board here. The music of the Boersdorfs, as usual. They've moved someplace else, and I wish I could find out where, because I'd like to be in touch with them. The poem I just read was from Rilke, uh, This Precipitous Hour. We've just passed St. Patrick's Day here. Uh, in Nevada City. I know I'm not supposed to do time-specific things, but what the hell, it was St. Patrick's Day, and and, and I am in real time right here, wherever you are. Um, I don't uh, participate in the revelry at St. Patrick's Day very much, uh, um, but I I do have two magnetic signs, which I affix to the side of my car. They say taxi, and I park across the street from McGee's Bar, and I watch a few good fights and pick up a few extra dollars. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, now, this is my rant day. As I've said before, and probably too often, I have no rant control. There's just a few things I feel like uh, like ranting into, sort of um, uh, dealing the cinders and the stew, as Woody Guthrie said. Well, where to begin? Let's see. Rant number one. I was over uh, in Japan cruising the Ginza uh, on R&R down from uh, Kumari Gap in Korea when I was a soldier. I walked up and down the Ginza, and all I heard was American music. Um, certainly there were Japanese bands, Japanese orchestras, and they were playing very well. They were good musicians, but it was all American music. I was interested in Kodo music. I wanted to hear Samusan music. And, you know, I couldn't find it. Um, some young uh, friends just came back from... Uh, uh, northern Thailand, where they were working with the Peace Corps. They were very interested in finding. They went out and deliberately sought traditional Thai music. The little tea houses they went into had boom boxes. They were blaring the Rolling Stones. Well, that's called cultural imperialism, and I've been privy to cultural imperialism uh, a good part of my life uh, since I first encountered it over there in, in Korea and in Japan. Um, I don't want to be too snotty about this, but every time I listen to world music, what they call world music, what I hear is um, music from other cultures, especially third world cultures, gradually caving in to Eurocentric musical values, gradually caving into more and more electricity, more and more bottom, uh, as the music uh, continues to be uh, increasingly driven by the electric bass. Um, 
Now, I know that there's always exchange between cultures. Musical exchanges between cultures, and that's very, very healthy. One enriches the other, hopefully. It's just that the exchange appears to me to be increasingly out of balance. Well, now, of course, there's a backlash to that, and I'm going to play one of those backlashes that was sent along to me by Joseph Stevenson in Astoria, Oregon, who listens to us on KMUN. Uh, He sent me a whole bunch of material from Australia. He'd been down there street singing. Uh, Joseph, I've lost your address. Would you please send it to me? I I need it, and I'd like to uh, be back in touch with you and trade you something for that wonderful tape full of Australian music. In any case, this is an anonymous bush band, and pay attention. This is a field recording from Sub Club somewhere in uh, way out back of Australia. Anonymous bush band, No American Music. We don't know And they sing songs of America In accents smooth and sleek Well our songs, they're Australian And we sing the way we speak Cos we don't play American music And we don't sing American songs We'll sing all the Bush or Sydney Bush We'll even sing about Geelong We'll sing about the old time cheerers And the wallaby tracks now gone But we won't play American music And we won't sing American songs much good music out there, and I'm glad that people are sending that along to me. As long as I, I'm not able to travel as much as I used to, where I would normally encounter the music and bring it home with me, uh, folks are finally figuring out what I'm up to and gradually sending in things that they feel like uh, I can uh, use and uh, put out over the people's airwaves. It would probably be, not be heard any other place. 
Uh, community radio. Isn't community radio magnificent? It's a wonderful, wonderful experience to, to have that much control over the people's airways, over one of our major national resources, which is in danger of constantly drifting away from us or uh, being taken from our hands. I was so particularly proud of our community station here, KVMR Nevada City, um, for broadcasting live wire which was, uh, it lasted for a month. It was a new independent daily news journal syndicated through the whole community uh, radio um, network. Well, it was independent news programming called Live Wire and produced by the National Radio Project. We've been getting to beginning more and more to control our media and to coordinate and network our media, like the uh, independent media centers at, at, at WTO uh, demonstration or in Los Angeles for the um, Democratic National Convention. It's, um, it's a wonderful, it's a part of a much larger movement. There's a tremendous movement growing in this country. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? A lot of it uh, centered on uh, on young America, on youth who are just simply pissed off down to their socks about the way things are going, and we're all in it together. Well, Live Wire is certainly a, a, a marvelous addition to that. Uh, the news program pilot was being produced and tested as part of an ongoing national dialogue. Now that lasted for a month. Now, the the uh, Live Wire, the National Radio Project, want people who have been listening to it and people who feel strongly about alternative media to get hold of them, to find out more about them and to offer suggestions about how it can improve, what kind of news they would like to hear, what things aren't being covered that should be covered. Go ahead and get hold of them at www.radioproject.org. That's uh, the National Radio Project Live Wire, and that's your news update on the people's media. Meanwhile, it's a good time to play Ann Feeney and look to the left. Looking for a place in the audio wasteland where music comes straight from the heart MTV didn't make it for me Worlds apart from that top 40 chart Fed up with flashcards and lasers Lip-syncing losers only L.A. could find I was resigned Back to my vinyl I was bereft Then I looked to the left Oh, look to the left Of your dial There's world of music Waiting that'll make it Worth your while There's blues and reggae, zydecore Celtic salsa, bluegrass Oh, look to the left Of your dial Ear Pete and Woody Bonnie Ray, Queen Ida, Marsha Ball Look to the left of your dial 
it's worked for me. Pittsburgh WIP, there's KPFA, KPFT, Motown's got WDHT, HYY and XPN, you can catch Dean Shay again and again. There's so much weight for you. To the left of 92, in the Bluegrass State, there's NKU, Pacifica Grove, the home of Kazoo, Manhattan's got WBAI. pure hell just pure hell how does she remember all those words all those names i couldn't possibly cram all those into my into my brain that's why the songs i make up are so simple because i can remember them for the most part speaking of pure hell we just passed the 10th anniversary of the of the death of judy berry now most people here in California know about Judy Berry, and, and people are involved in the uh, in the radical environmental community, the the direct action environmental community. Of course, know Judy Berry very well. Judy Berry is the one whose car was blown up uh, with her and Daryl Cherney uh, in an effort to get rid of her. Why? Because well, a lot of us think because she had finally stumbled onto the truth. And what was the truth that Judy Berry stumbled on? She came from a working class background. Uh, came from uh, organizers in the East. Her parents, working class. I, I, I've said it before, and I will say it again, and I'll say it till everybody gets the point. The working class is anybody who works for wages and has a boss is in the working class. If all you're selling is your labor energy, you don't own the tools you you, you work with, you don't own the workplace, uh, all you're selling is your labor energy to get a boss and to get a paycheck. You're in the working class. doesn't matter whether you're a college professor or a ditch digger. Now, Judy recognized that most of the environmentalists she was working with in Earth First and in other organizations were wage workers were working jobs where they were getting wages where they had a boss. And, of course, the people uh, working in the mills and working in the forest were also wage workers, you see. All of the members of the working class who have interests in common, but instead of acting on those common interests, were acting against each other. Why? Because the boss's genius is to keep the working class divided. It always has been, you see. Her idea, the thing she started in the environmental movement was building bridges in the working class instead of burning them, bringing the working class back together face-to-face, talking to itself. That's the truth, I think, that Judy Berry discovered, and the essential solidarity of the working class, and she was good at it, and she was being successful at it, and that's why I think they tried to blow her up. Uh, Judy could polemicize, she could rant, she could wave her arms, she could caterwaul. She was one of the best speakers I ever heard, but I never saw anybody laugh as much in my life. Although deep down in her middle there was a great, great boiling cauldron of of tightly compacted anger, which was the springboard for her activism, at the same time there was a a great home for an enormous joy, which I think she expressed. Well, okay, listen to this now. You're going to listen to Judy Berry talking about the origin of the scientific method. This is from one of her speeches outdoors. It's a good letter to speak for herself. Here's uh, Judy Berry and Francis Bacon. 
Anyone who's ever dealt with the Forest Service or the California Department of Forestry or Endangered Species Act or anything like that knows that the science is used as the authority for the kind of relentless assault on nature of this society. And science is presented to us as neutral, as an objective path to knowledge, as something that's value-free. But science is not value-free. The scientific methods, there's not just one method, despite the, what we were taught in science class. There's not just one method. And the methodology of Western science is not value-free at all. In fact, it was openly described by its founders as a masculine system that presupposes the separation from of people from nature and presupposes our dominance of na over nature. And I want to give you some quotes to let you know why this is so. This going back to the origin of the scientific method and all those things way back in the 1600s in the Renaissance period. And um, it, first of all, one of the, the, the initiation of the scientific method, the elevation of this as absolute truth and the only path to truth, um, this was begun in like 1664, for example. There was something that was called the Royal Society, and it was composed of all these scientific men who were developing these theories. And they described their, their goal to, and this is a quote, to raise a masculine philosophy whereby the mind of men may be ennobled with the knowledge of solid truths. I'll give you another example. This is from the aptly named Sir Francis Bacon. Um, and <laughs> uh, he was one of the worst. He was actually pretty shocking. He said that the scientific method is a method of aggression. And here's his quote. The nature of things betrays itself more readily under vexation than in its natural freedom. Science is not merely a gentle guidance over nature's course. We have the power to conquer and subdue her, to shake her to her foundations. And that the purpose of doing this is to create a blessed race of heroes who would dominate both nature and society. So, you know, you don't go back to these philosophical roots of science very often, but this is the roots of the scientific method that's now approved by the CDF to justify their clear cuts. The rise of the scientific method, of this masculine method of, no of knowledge, went along at the same time period with the very violent suppression of the women's knowledge, of the knowledge of the earth, of the herbal ways and things like that. So this wasn't just, oh, we have a better way, you women stand aside. It was, we're going to burn you at the stake. So, you know, it, it was certainly not neutral. It was a very aggressive imposition of a masculine system of knowledge. But in order to find a balance in this society, this society is hugely out of balance. And in order to find that balance, we would have to see a huge rise of the feminine, both a rise of individual women and also a rise of feminist ideology among both women and men. But without this balance the, between the masculine and the feminine, society, I don't believe, can, we cannot make the changes that we need to come back into balance with the earth. Judy Berry and the scientific method. Well, I guess, uh, I guess she pretty well settled there, Hash. That's uh, worth thinking about. All right, guys? We're thinking about. Get a grip on yourself. My wife, Joanna, assures me that the status quo means uh, things stay the same. Well, in the present conservative political environment, I say, yeah, things stay the same, but, but more of it, more of the same, is what it seems to me. Does that make sense? Um, more of the same, let's see, uh, in, in a world full of violence, the conservative solution is more violence. 
in a world full of pain, the solution is more pain. Uh, just recently, in a world with too much carbon dioxide, the answer is more carbon dioxide. And then, of course, in a, in a world with too many guns in it, the solution is more guns. Well, let's put policemen with guns in the schools. Or some people say, let's arm the teachers. If the teachers had guns, that wouldn't happen. Uh, I don't know. And then there are the signs, the bumper stickers that I see around town that uh, that uh, guns don't shoot people, people shoot people. And I and I stop and think, well, baseball season is just a, is right upon us. And I say to myself, I guess uh, bats don't hit home runs. Ball players hit home runs. Of course, you try to hit a home run without a bat, uh, it's going to be very difficult. It's a lot easier if you use a bat. Well, of course, it's a lot easier to kill somebody if you have a gun than any other way. And of course, the more guns there are, the easier it is. A, a rubber duck could figure that out. Now, we, you've heard this be, this one before, and I'm going to play it for you again because uh, I, I want everybody to hear it. Dan Byrne, The Kid's Prayer. Pleasure. So sad, so sad the news come our way this morning Like a bad dream, a dream that you'd never even speak of in a school, a school where we send our precious children. The one place of innocence the world might ever let them know. And barely aware of the odds against existence in the first place. Of love and fertility, of risk of a baby being born. And of clothes and food and fear and maybe relocation Of sickness, recovery, of music lessons, painting the garage And lingering over eggs and thoughts and sleepy conversations And plans for the weekend and one last pause to pet the dog Glance at the clock and the grabbing of the sandwich and the notebook Confident of nothing but the unbroken days they've been granted But comes a child, a child so full of anger and hatred Barely aware of the genesis coursing through his veins with a gun, a gun, deaf and blind, deliverer of madness Skilled beyond his own unformulated brain And with his hand in a fist and his soul in a knot and his heart racing And his mind sick with images, his slim shoulders finally feeling tall and his fellow creatures, students in their crushes and their daydreams Struggling to unwrap the ancient secrets of geometry He pulls from his coat the instrument to shatter all forevers In a random blaze of insides and blood and endless now and flash and more and not even when it's over can any so much as summon up the sanity to scream 
And on the floor his classmates blown down and choking As he lays his weapon on his desk Partly sure he isn't dreaming And all the world descends and offers up their condolence And offers up their theories What went wrong and who and why and when and how It's all the killing day and night on television It's all the movies where violence is as natural as breathing It's guns and bullets as easily obtainable as candy It's video games where you kill and begin to think it's real It's people not having God in their lives anymore Or it's all of it or none of it or some of it in various combinations And all those theories, they sound pretty logical, I guess Though I ain't no scientist, I ain't no dissector of statistics No theologist, I ain't no psychologist or biologist All I do is offer up a prayer of my own Talk to your kids, play with your kids Tell them your dreams and your disappointments Listen with your kids and listen to your kids Watch your kids and let your kids watch you Tell your kids the truth as best as you can tell it No use telling lies, your kids can always smell it Cook for your kids, have your kids cook for you Sing with your kids, teach your kids the blues Learn their games, teach them yours Touch your kids, find out what they know Be sad with your kids, be stupid with your kids Laugh with your kids, cry with your kids Be yourself with your kids, be real with your kids Embarrass your kids, let them embarrass you Be strong with your kids, be tough with your kids Be firm with your kids, say no to your kids, say yes to your kids, take it easy on your kids. You were a kid not so long ago, there's things you know your kids will never know. There's places they live where you will never go, so dance with your kids, pain. With your kids, walk with your kids, tell stories to your kids. One day your kids won't be kids, and maybe they'll have kids of their own. Hope they talk to their kids, play with their kids, tell them their dreams and their disappointments.
that was Kenny Hall playing, I think that was Beautiful Ohio Waltz. Isn't that a fine piece of work there uh, by Dan Byrne? Um, and, of course, uh, Kenny Hall, one of my favorite musicians. By the way, I've been apprised by Joan in the other room that uh, the anniversary of, this was the fourth anniversary of Judy Berry's death, and it was actually last May, the 10th anniversary of her car getting blown up. Sometimes I feel timeless. Uh, I hope it stays that way. I read in the Chronicle, it's the San Francisco Chronicle, for those of you who are out there in Troy, New York, uh, of the uh, the obituary of the death of S. Dylan Ripley. Now, S. Dylan Ripley and I have a, 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 a kind of a bizarre connection. S. Dylan Ripley, for those of you who don't remember, was the head of the Smithsonian Institution for a great long time. He uh, had his office in what was called the, the Castle, that big red sandstone building on the Mall in Washington. Uh, he was an ornithologist by training. I was awakened late one night by a cab driver banging on my door at the place I was staying in in Washington, D.C. Joe Hickerson, who couldn't be there, the curator of the folk song archives at the Library of Congress, had sent the cab driver over to take me to a particular place. Well, I put my clothes on. It was the dead of night. He drove me down to the uh, Hershorn Museum, rather to the sunken um, sculpture museum, uh, uh, sculpture garden across the street from it. Nothing could be built above the level of the mall, you see. And down there was a reflecting pond and uh, a willow tree overhanging it, and underneath it was a small house. Well, the cab driver was instructed to tell me the following. S. Dylan Ripley, the ornithologist coming out of the castle, saw a brood of, of ducks there with the, with the mother duck in the bushes. Day after day, as he came out, he saw that brood diminish as the rats, who swarm in streams over the mall at night to pick up the popcorn the tourists drop, were, were taking away the ducks, were stealing the ducklings. So he had that little house built there in the, in the sculpture garden under the tree, and he had the ducks family installed in that house and uh, an armed guard there at night with a pistol to shoot the rats to keep them away. Now... We are having a hell of a time trying to hang on to the wetlands for all of our wildfowl in their migratory paths, but that one damn duck has public housing and an armed guard. Oh, God, have we heard the last of the cry of the wild goose? Yesterday I went to the butcher shop to buy a chicken and a couple of chops. The butcher said that we got kachke today. The kachke hoide many gay baggishnay. I wanna go where the wild goose goes. Cause I know more than a wild goose knows. Mein cop, she question, mein pipix a drink. It won't be long, I'll be up,
Wood Shell said that it weighs ten pounds. Oh, it's a beautiful Kachka lady, a magnificent guns. Six dollars, it's a Mitzia lady, you'll buy it. Get Kachka cried, I'm on a side of one, I'll buy it. Fallen, it ain't no use. Der Butcher, if I can't near Raima Kukuz, I got to be brave for real balabatish. Goodbye, little chickens, don't forget to say Kaddish. I can't go where the wild goose goes, cause I must go where the sheikh it goes. I'll be up gizals, I'll be in a top. I'm a cavern butcher, all I'm stinking from cough. When's the last time you heard that, the cry of the wild goose? Wasn't that originally Frankie Lane? Well, this is a version that uh, I bet you've never heard before in your life. Old friend of the family when we lived in Cleveland, Mickey. Mickey Katz and the Kosher Jammers. Well, this is March the 18th. March the 18th is a significant date in American history. Uh, It was in March the 18th, 1886, that 500 students, no, pardon me, all of the students of St. Anne's Parochial School in Brooklyn were being charged a 10-cent fee to walk in the door in the morning, a surcharge, walked out and went on strike. It was the first student strike in the history of the United States, and they thereby established a pattern, established a trend, which has flowed down to us, lo, in these the waning days of Babylon. I read again in my chronicle that um, 500 students, there they are, uh, from two Alameda high schools, Alameda, California, have went out on strike. They got up and walked out, held a big rally for what? In support of raising teachers' salaries, you see. I think that kind of solidarity, and of course, that those students doing that, that's a lesson they're going to carry with them into the workplace. They're going to carry with them into the future, you see. God, I remember a while back, it was a, it was a boy in Arkansas came to school with green hair, and the, the principal sent him home. It was St. Patrick's Day, that's what, he came with green hair, just as a goof, and the principal sent him home and said, said, we are training children for the workplace and employers do not want people with green hair. Well, every time I hear a discussion of education these days, it, it's, uh, it's education is a trade school. They talk about schools as trade schools, not not education. It's, you, you can school a horse, but you can't educate it. Now get that straight. Um, God, if they do want to talk about, about them as trade schools, then, then teach them something that has to do with trade, some labor history, some uh, how to go about collective bargaining. At least teach them the rights that they have, that they have the right to collective bargaining and to form labor unions. Give them some real tools when they get out in the workplace to control the condition of their labor. Well, this is a very good time to listen to 
John McCutcheon's kids on strike, and, and I'm going to follow that up well with a voice. If you don't know who this voice is, shame on you.
If you want higher wages, let me tell you what to do. You got to talk to the seamen on the ship with you. You got to build you a union, got to make it strong. But if you all stick together, boys, don't be long. You get shorter hours, better working conditions. Vacations with pay, take your kids to the country. Of course, it ain't quite this simple, so I better explain just why you got to ride on the union train, because if you wait for the boss to raise your pay, we'll all be waiting till Judgment Day, we'll all be buried. Gone to heaven. St. Peter will be the straw boss then, boys. Now you know you're underpaid, but the boss says you ain't. He speeds up the work till you're about to faint. You may be down and out. But you ain't beaten. You can pass out a leaflet and call a meet and talk it over. Speak your mind. Decide to do something about it. Of course, the boss may persuade some poor damn fool to go to your meeting and act like a stool. But you can always tell a stool, though. That's the fact. He's got a yellow streak running down his back. He doesn't have to stool, you know. He'll always make a good living on what he takes out of blind men's cups. Well, you got a union now. You're sitting pretty. Put some of the boys on the steering committee. The boss won't listen if one guy squawks, but he's got to listen if the union talks. He'd better. He'd be mighty lonely one of these days. Suppose they're working you so hard it's just outrageous. Paying you all starvation wages. You go to the boss and the boss would yell, Before I raise your pay, I'd see you all in hell. Well, he's puffing a big cigar, feeling mighty slick. Thinks he's got your union lick. He looks out the window and what does he see but a thousand pickets and they all agree he's a bastard. Unfair. Slave driver. Bet he beats his own wife. Now, boys, you come to the hardest time. The boss will try to bust your picket line. They may call out the police, the National Guard, tell you it's a crime to have a union card. They may raid your meeting, hit you on the head, call every one of you a goddamn red young patriotic. Moscow agents trying to steal the A-bomb. But down in Frisco, here's what they found. Down in the Gulf, here's what they found. On the Great Lakes, here's what they found. And along the East Coast, here's what they found. That if you don't let red baiting break you up, and if you don't let stool pigeons break you up, if you don't let vigilantes break you up, and if you don't let race hatred break you up, you'll win. What I mean, take it easy, but take it. Pete Seeger, right? Okay, you get the refrigerator. I was in a junk store a couple of uh, weeks ago, and there was a, a big box full of little blue books. Well, they were little blue books, and they were called little blue books. Uh, from almost a hundred years ago, that was E. Haldeman Julius, who realized that working people n- were interested in literature, they were interested in art, they were interested in philosophy and debate. So he made these little blue books that would fit in your back pocket, and those books were all over the minefields, you know, all over the uh, in the hard rock mines. They were all over the forest, wherever factory workers were. They had the little blue books. One of, one of the people who wrote in the Little Blue Books was uh, Robert Ingersoll, and he, his work was under discussion by working people all over the country at one time, like I say, near 100 years ago. I want to give you a sermon, as it's Sunday here, that comes right out of uh, Ingersoll. This is, this is a good part of what those working people were discussing. And then we're going to listen to Fred Holstein sing uh, uh, a Bob Frankie song. Robert Ingersoll. When I became convinced that the universe is natural, that all the ghosts and gods are myths, there entered into my brain, into my soul, into every drop of my blood, the sense, the feeling, the joy of freedom. 
The walls of my prison crumbled and fell. The dungeon was flooded with light, and all the bolts and bars and manacles became dust. I was no longer a servant, a serf, a slave. There was for me no master in all the world, not even in infinite space. I was free, free to think, to express my thoughts, free to use all my faculties, all my senses, free to spread imagination's wings, free to investigate, to guess and dream and hope, free to judge and determine for myself, free to reject all ignorant and cruel creeds, all the inspired books that savages have produced, and all the barbarous legends of the past, free from popes and priests, free from all the called and set apart, free from sanctified mistakes and holy lies, free from the fear of eternal pain, free from the winged monsters of the night, free from devils, ghosts, and gods. For the first time, I was free. There were no prohibited places in all the realm of thought, no air, no space, where fancy could not spread her painted wings, no chains for my limbs, no lashes for my back, no fires for my flesh, no master's frown or threat, no following another's footsteps, no need to bow or cringe or crawl or utter lying words. I was free. I stood erect and fearlessly, joyously faced all worlds. So easy to dream of the days gone by It's so hard to think of the times to come It's to accept every moment as a gift Is a gift that is given to some What can you do your days but work and hope let your dreams bind your work to your play what can you do with each moment of your life love till you've loved it away love till you've loved it There's sorrow enough for the whole world's end There are no guarantees but a grave And the lives that we live and the time that we spend Is a treasure too precious to save What can you do with your days But work and hope Let your dreams bind your work to your play What can you do with each moment of your life But love till you love Love till you love 
do with your days but work and hope let your dreams bind your work to your play what can you do with each moment of your life but love till you've loved it away Love till you've loved it away. Well, the great Fred Holstein. Well, now, look, we're pressed for time. I have put you through a whole lot uh, this time th- th- during this hour of this Loafer's Glory. I want you to get up off your butts. Gather your kids together and dance around your kitchen. Dance around your radio. This is your time <clears throat> to cut loose and to dance. I want you to ape walk. I want you to truck. I want you to strut. Cast your bodies about. And we'll listen to Sunday Side Up, Chick Endor. <laughs> think of when you're blue there are others much worse off than you if a load of trouble should arrive laugh and say it's great to be alive and keep your sunny side up up hide the side that gets blue if you have nine sons in a row Baseball teams make money, you know. Keep your funny side up, up. Let your laughter come through. Do stand up on your legs. Be like two fried eggs. Keep your sunny side up. or a pain good or bad successful or in vain happiness is just a point of view if you have it here's the thing to do keep your sunny side up up round a frown with a smile if you think it's raining for you just remember others are blue Always look for the bright side Start the day on the right side You'll find life worthwhile Learn to wear a smile Keep your sunny side This has been Utah Phillips, and you have been listening to Loafer's Glory. 
the hobo jungle of the mind. From Tennyson's Ulysses, We are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven. That which we are, we are, one equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. <laughs> 